With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black. All news. All you. We're changing the way Chicago communicates with the world. CBBN Business Journals. Weekdays at 11 a.m. CST. To listen now, visit Chicago's Black Business Radio Network.com. Sonia Cassandra Perdue, Executive Producer. Will your life insurance company pay you 70% to 90% of your policy's face value should you suffer a qualifying chronic illness or critical injury? Ours will. If you answered no, go to www.getstartedwithlivingbenefits.com and request a brochure on Understanding Life Insurance with Living Benefits. Visit getstartedwithlivingbenefits.com today and get covered. Terms and conditions may apply. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Good morning, everyone, or should I say Grand Rising Chicago. Grand Rising is the way that today's guest, Ms. Simone Jennifer Smith, greets me in her emails. So I thought I'd start out that way this morning. So Grand Rising Chicago, so thankful that we are gathered here together again. You are tuned in to CBBN Business Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, executive producer of Chicago's Black Business Radio Network and your host for this segment. If this is your first time with us, you would know that we've completed a few hundred broadcasts here since 2008. It has really been a great blessing for me. Got to meet a lot of people over the years, share a lot of information, and I hope that our listeners found our information useful in their daily lives. And just as importantly, so many people have shared with me over the years. I, I met people that I um, that have been just tremendous and are de- just doing great things out there. That's what I'm thinking right now. They're just doing great things out there, and we don't hear from them enough. So I was taking a long break. Oh, yes, a really long break, but I'm back to share and learn and that type of thing. That's what we do. We, we, we share in order to learn. To sponsor a show or be a guest on CBBN Business Journal, just give us a call at 773-609-2226. That's 773-609-2226. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and basically everywhere. And I'm just going to say this because you know this to be true, but we don't let anything stop us, do you? Everything's going perfectly this morning, and it, it, it's still going perfectly. I've been up working and working and working. And so then when it's time for me to call into my show, my cursor won't work. It just made another decision. So we have to circumvent these things. This is real life. I mean, this is every day. This is every second. When something pops up, boom, you have to figure it out. You have to circumvent 
what's going on. You got to find another solution sometime. Is it the best solution? Who knows? But it'll keep things rolling until you get to the next step. You know, life is perfect. I believe in, uh, I believe that life is perfect. Those obstacles come in there, the challenges, can we do this, can we do this, can we do this? And, yes, we can do it. Yes, we can do it. You don't stay stuck on that problem. You don't stay stuck on what's going on. You find a solution, move around it, clam over it, go under it, push it aside, whatever it takes to get to the next thing so you can work on it. And so here I am, and I thought my guest would leave because, she, I thought that she would think that I would not even be here, but I kept on hitting it and kept on hitting it and kept on hitting it. And that's my message I want to give to you this morning. So let me just finish saying, from the very beginning of our shows, our shows have been dedicated to keeping the memory of Mayor Harold Washington on the minds and in the hearts of our people. He's a very important Chicagoan and international figure, okay? Just a few dates to remind you about Harold. He was the mayor of Chicago from April 29, 1983. Do you remember that night? Wow. To November 25, 1987. He was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives and the Illinois State Senate. He attended Roosevelt College and received a law degree from Northwestern. And I always add this for people, and especially for the young people, when he was in the military, Okay, this is a very short history of him. When he was in the military, in the military, he took over 100-plus correspondence course, okay? He might have been out there dancing and singing and hanging with the other guys, but he was in a learning curve so that he can have a conversation about almost anything from plumbing to wall painting, okay? So to be a life learner is of the greatest importance, okay? He was a believer in education. How do you remember Harold Washington? And so let us let that segue into what we're talking about today. Our guest, Ms. Simone Jennifer Smith, whose credentials are longer than your arm, is currently the chief reporter and operating manager at the Toronto Caribbean newspaper, or Caribbean newspaper, Toronto Caribbean newspaper. You know I'm Chicago and I got those Ebonics going for me. Newspaper, TorontoCaribbean.com. Ms. Smith has a great passion in assisting her clients to live meaningful lives. As the founder and director of Here to Help, that's H-E-A-R, to help, Simone leads a team that goes out into the community, into the community day to day, servicing families with their educational, legal, and mental health needs. As we say, she got her boots on the ground. They're out there, okay? Today, among other things, we want to discuss the effects um, that learning in a digital environment is having on education, on the children. So let's welcome Ms. Simone, director and founder of Here You Help. How are you, Ms. Smith? Hello? Hello? Oh, I can hello, hear hello. you now. Okay. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Oh, okay. I can hear you now. I can hear you now. So am I pronouncing your name right, Simone? 
Uh, you are saying it perfectly. Thank you. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it perfectly. Okay. Thank you. No problem, no problem. Let's let's do this. Now, I, I think I may be able to calm down. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had those two cups of coffee and didn't that little little bump right there. So uh, I may be able to calm down. Okay. So let's do this, Miss Smith. First, we always like to get to know our guests. So give us a little background mm-hmm. on Simone and okay. your life in Toronto. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where to start. Um, I was born <laughs> in Scarborough, Ontario. So Scarborough is a it's a borough in Toronto, which is now its own city. Um, born and raised, um, cultural background is Jamaican. Both my parents are Jamaican immigrants, moved to Canada in the 60s and seven, early 70s. And um, even though I was raised here, I like to call myself a Jamaican. I'm a Jamaican Canadian. Yes, I sound very Canadian, but my cultural values, what I believe, how I was raised, the food I eat, all very much, um, very much like Jamaican rooted and grounded. I've, of course, traveled there as often as I can, obviously because of COVID, not as much. But um, definitely it's, been, it's, it's, it's interesting being a Jamaican Canadian because you look at things a little bit differently. Yes, again, being culturally raised here or being raised here, I've picked up a little bit from Canada, you know, obviously being submersed and emerged in this culture. I have picked up some things from there, but I like to call myself Jamaican. Um, my background, uh, most of my education is in psychology. I finished my master's actually in Michigan. Um, Ann Arbor, Michigan is where I finished my master's in humanistic and clinical psychology. And with that, um, I decided I wanted to work mostly in the community because I know that we need it. I know, especially over here with African um, Caribbean Canadians, there's a lot of things, especially when it comes to our mental health, that we don't address. Um, We kind of ignore it because that's what we're told to do. Most of us just, you know, if something happens in your home, you're told to, you know, what happens at home stays at home, you know, and and it doesn't matter what the trauma might be. Many of us end up just living with these traumas and then passing these traumas down to our children intergenerationally, transgenerationally. And I, I, for me, I didn't want to carry that on. I figured that the book had to stop somewhere. So this is why I went into um, psychology because for me, again, I experienced things when I was younger that um, children aren't really supposed to experience, but I figured I didn't want to live my life or a trauma-filled life. I wanted to change that, and the best way to do that is to learn as much about the mind and behavior as I possibly could. So that's what I did. It started at a very young age. I started in psychology at 16 years old and took it right up, and I have four more years to get my PhD, but life happens, so I haven't done that quite yet, but it's on the, um, definitely on the radar of things to do in life, definitely on my list of things to to do. So now um, what I do is I've added to a lot of the services that we provide as an organization. So alongside working with children and families in the community, I also head up um, the largest Caribbean newspaper in Canada, uh, Toronto Caribbean newspaper. You said Caribbean perfectly, by the way. And we're going to talk about that. Um, Yes. The bio that you, your organization, one of the things that one of your goals is to help people live a meaningful life. What is a meaningful life, Ms. Smith? 
So it depends on, well, it depends on what brings meaning to a person. For me, a meaningful life is, again, like I I was stating earlier, I don't want to live in trauma. I don't want to live in my trauma. I want to live past that. I want to be doing things that bring me purpose, that, that, that bring me joy at the end of the day. I really, I don't know how people just go to work and just work and go home. I don't know how people do that. I think, honestly, I think they have a certain strength because I can't do that. Um, I, I walked away from the corporate world in 2012 and I never looked back. I, I, for me, it didn't bring me, yes, it was bringing me a lot of money. Yes, life was easy, but it didn't bring me any meaning. I didn't feel anything um, when I came home. It was just routine. It was mundane. And I wanted to do something that, that made me feel good. And working with people makes me feel good. Helping people move from one stage of their life to another stage makes me feel good. So since that was something that I, I noted, and that's something I noted at a very young age, um, I decided there was, a, there was a path for me, and it brings me meaning. It brings me purpose. It allows me to see, even with some of my students, I've started with some of my students when they were like in grade 7, 8, and to see some of them going on to do post-doctorate um, degrees, is, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Like that is that for me is impactful. It, it's, it allows me to know that I'm doing something right with my life. So that's what meaningful means to me, but it's different for every person. Everyone has obviously a purpose, whether they found it or not, and everyone needs to find meaning in that purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess uh, my takeaway from what you just said is to ask, one of the questions is to ask them what makes you feel good, what makes you feel joyful, what makes you feel happy. And I guess that's one of the ways that they because we cannot define that, of course. We'll find meaning in their lives. You know, I've had a number of shows with psychologists. And um, another thing I want to back up on what you said, we do, and you know better than I do, but we all know how we let mental health issues and even health issues just go on and on and on, and the person's Mm -hmm. never treated from childhood Mm -hmm. Till they die. I mean, really, I've seen it Absolutely. in my family from childhood till they die. They have never, they were never treated for their mental illness as they should. That could have circumvented a whole lot of suffering in their life. We just walk on over and go in like that's just him, that's her, right. that's them, right. you know. And we right. just keep on going and let let it just go forever. And I and, and uh, as a halfway educated person, I know better than that. But that's a cultural thing. We just let they just do it all their lives, and that's who they are. And it's a sad, sad situation. So we don't have enough of your services, and we don't talk about this enough until we get it, until we get it. No, we don't let them stay as they are. They are solutions. And if we don't know the solutions, we have to be smart enough, informed enough, or some kind of way seek out information so we can speak to people who may or may not have the solutions instead of just saying, well, June boy is just, you know, that's just him. We're just going to let him flow. And forever walking right. around with no help. So it's very, very important uh, what your mission is, one of them probably, and what you're doing and talking about it. And that's the only thing we can do is keep saying it over and over again. I guess today 
is Ms. Simone Jennifer Smith, founder and director of Here to Help. You'll find them at H-E-A-R hyphen, the number two hyphen help dot com. You're listening to CBBN Business Journals. This is where we interview business owners, authors, and other innovators from around the world. And we're over in Toronto this morning, and that's the way we like it. You can visit us at Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. So you talked a little bit uh, about your organization and how you feel about it. Tell us, what are the services that you that you offer your clients, so the people that you come in contact with through your service? So you know what? It's we've evolved. We when I first started the the company, so it's interesting. Here to help the H E A R. My name Simone actually means to hear or to listen in Hebrew. So I thought it was very fitting that obviously a as a as a psych- as a trained psychotherapist one of the things that you have to be able to do is to listen and this is one of the reasons why I use that word for the company. So when I first started the organization, I wanted to work with families and be able to offer my expertise to them um in a simple way. So I started off very simply as a tutor. Um, the tutoring allowed me to be in the homes with these families. So we have, before COVID, obviously, we were able, we were actually going into homes. And now, of course, when you're going into homes, that exposes you to a lot more because then you start to see some of the things that are happening in the homes and where sometimes children may be having issues, parents may be having some challenges, Um So it started off very simple, but it's turned into a lot more because now we actually advocate for for parents. We advocate for parents at their schools. We advocate for parents um, if they have to deal with the system, the welfare system, anything like that. We've turned into advocates as well. Uh, Another part of my, my service now that's been added on is the writing part of it. That's the biggest component. So I always like to say that uh, Toronto Caribbean Newspaper is my biggest client uh, because they are. We That's the service we offer them is writing and editing services. Um, I've taken on the position as the chief reporter, but that's one of the things that's included in the service packages that we provide is writing, copywriting, script writing, content writing, blog writing, anything that needs to be written, we do. Um, <laughs> alongside that, we also do podcasting. Um, podcast editing, um, and we're we're starting to diversify a little bit more. But I will say this: the writing component of our our company is growing immensely because, as you know, everything is going digital now, and because everything is going digital now, everybody needs content. And what I've learned in the last two years is not everybody is able to write. <laughs> People think it's well, easy, not, but it's not. <laughs> well, I'm a writer, so for me it's easy, but it's not easy for everyone. And Exactly. So the thing about it, um, business owners don't have the time. There are things right. you're supposed to, to pay for. <laughs> you know, there's, right. there's separation right. of duties. And when you, yes. you're sitting up here and uh, trying to write content, trying to post on social media, trying to sell mm-hmm. your product, which is number one for you as a business owner, okay? Right, right. Um, those other things take away uh, actually from what you're supposed to do. You're trying to do accounting. You're trying to keep up with your books. You're trying to do your, 
your payroll. You're trying to keep it with your employees. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. small businesses, which don't have a lot of money sometimes, but they're never going to have money if they're doing 20 jobs. And I know I do it sometimes, but I'm I'm learning. You know, I, I have other people who help me with things. But they're going to have to face the fact to be a successful business, you have to delegate some duties out there. And content Absolutely. is definitely one of them. You don't have the time to write content and post it and those type of things. But they, we all learn and grow at the same time. We, we, we're all in a learning curve, and that's, that's why we're here, Ms. Smith, so that we Absolutely. can assist those with the skills and those who can, can help, Okay. That's right. So Agreed. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. So one of the things, uh, you went into the home and you started with the tutoring. And, yes, yes. Uh, going into a home is a whole lot different from seeing that child in school, and you do mm-hmm. get a different perspective. Absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. So since we're digital, Education is becoming mm-hmm. digital. Mm-hmm. What are the effects that you've seen in the change? Mm. So it's because, you know what, you would think that because a lot of, we're in a digital age, a lot of our younger people were raised and were, they were born into a digital age right? So you would think that it would have been an easy transition for them. But what has happened is um, them doing and being on their devices when it's free time is completely different than when they're having to sit in a sit in a class, which is not a class anymore, because sometimes it's their kitchen table or their bedroom or, you know, a, 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 a makeshift desk somewhere. And they have to now basically do something that adults do, which is sit down and focus um, on a screen on someone speaking to them. And it's one thing to transition a child slowly into that. But with COVID, what happened is it went from them being in person and being able to interact with their peers and being able to interact with their teachers to now being very secluded and not being able to interact at all and being forced to sit and stare at a screen for hours on end. Now, number one, it, it definitely, I can say this, it's affected our children's mental health, and a lot of parents are not even, I guess, aware of how much it's affecting their health. Uh, I definitely have seen... Um, my students, I have students who used to do very, very well, who now are are barely passing. And on the flip side, I've seen some students who I who were in school and were struggling because they were not getting the attention they need to now being online, and they're actually doing better. So honestly, it really depends on a few things. It depends on the support that the child is getting from the parent, and mind you, that in itself can be difficult because now parents have been given their children in line while they're trying to do their own jobs. Like it's, 
it's a lot, and this is why I really believe a lot of our students are suffering. And I'm going to say this straight. A lot of our black students are suffering from this because, unfortunately, um, sometimes we're dealing with homes that have one parent, whether it's a mother or a father, because it goes both ways sometimes. There's only one parent, and that parent has to work. And what if that parent is unable to work from home. There were some people who were considered essential workers, nurses, PSWs, who had to leave their home. Now what's happening to their child, right? So there's all these little elements that have caused some problems for our students, especially our young ones. And I'm telling you now, the effects are not going to be seen right away. These effects are going to be seen in years to come. All of this that's happening right now, as much as we don't see the instant impact, that's going to be seen in a few years, and that's something that we really need to, as a community, circumvent in some way, shape, or form. Um, there's been different things that have been tossed around, the idea of homeschooling programs, Red Robins, things like that, but even organizing those have been difficult because it's, you have to work with parents' time and their schedules. So it's honestly this whole situation, I feel more than anyone else, I feel very sorry for our children. It's a very frightening situation. You're listening to CBBN Business Journal. This is where we interview business owners, authors, and other innovators from around the world. Visit us at Chicago's Black Business Radio Network.com. Our guest is Ms. Simone Jennifer Smith, the director of Here to Help. It is a very frightening situation, and I could not more agree more Um that the term, the uh, effects are going to be long-term, very long-term, very horrible. It's not, as you say, it's not going to affect everyone in the same way, but as they say, they're saying now that a lot of children are going to drop through the cracks. Oh, my goodness, it's frightening. Mm -hmm. One Mm -hmm. thing that I saw, and you tell me, and it's not the fault of the system, the system was flawed in the beginning. I mean, they yes. it's like, they it's, you know, and maybe it's me, and I'm a little critical. I've talked before. Maybe it's me in the United States and maybe not everywhere. I don't know. Uh, in the black community, it's like, how long has this educational system been set up? Who's running this? I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, this is the best that they can do. I mean, these are educators and when i look right. at what's going on and even before covid and, and and people don't like me criticizing teachers but anyway and, and before covid <laughs> the children are falling through the cracks and yeah. not can't read by the time they get to eighth grade they're still not reading and i mean who's running this show i mean i would think mm. after a few you know <laughs> From the beginning of time to now, we can manage an educational system better. And my question is, who's running this show? So when COVID came, threw them on their butts, there was no plan. So, you know, they take it off from zero to 50 and trying to get to 70 and 80, but they're still at 30 because they're having trouble planning. And I'm not faulting them for that. But what I am faulting them for is not having it together to start with 
okay, I think that we could do a better job, and, and why don't we do a better job? I'm not going to ask you to criticize them. <laughs> why don't we do a better job? They're supposed to be educators. they got all these PhDs in education. What's the problem? Oh, my goodness. We, me and one of my co-hosts, I used to do Black Wall Street USA. We used to have this argument back and forth, okay? It's money. It's this, that. Nah, no. A book. Pick up a book and teach a child how to read. Mm. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't require $50 million to that. People were up in the middle of the night by candlelight at the thread of their lives trying to yeah. read. Don't tell me sure. that a child can go from kindergarten in a classroom with whatever funding they have and get to eighth mm. grade because I've seen them. I've seen them. That's my Ebonics mm. again. I've seen them mm. and not be able to read. What is this child doing sitting in my eighth grade class and can't read? And they've been in the same right. school since preschool. Mm. That's my question. Mm. What's the problem? Mm. Who are you people? You know? And, oh, girl, they get all up in the air about this conversation. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm serious about it. So now it's we got true, these though. little ones. We got these little ones now under such pressure. And I'm going to tell you the truth, Ms. Smith. Some of them didn't want to be home anyway. That's why they came to school. But anyway, we got these little mm. ones under such pressure now. And, oh, my goodness, it's just it is so frightening. What can we do? What can we do, Ms. Smith? You know what? Oh, I'm going to say something that some people may not like, but I've always believed that we have left our children in the hands of a system that was not designed for us. It was designed not to help our children move forward. It was designed to turn our children into workers. That's what it was designed to do. And it's unfortunate because what has happened to a lot of us is we've become very much dependent on our current systems. And now it's left our children to a detriment. A lot of people, and I've, I've spoken to some people who said that, you know what, the worst thing that could have ever happened was assimilation. We should have stayed segregated because when we were segregated, we were doing better. And that's a very, I know some people may not want to hear that, but when we were segregated, we were doing much better than when we became part of the system. And in Canada, it's interesting to me because many of our our families up here, um, they get angry because they're, they're, they're seeing anti-black racism happening here and their children are, are, are now put in these places where they're having to deal with anti-black racism. And in my head, I'm like, well, why, are, why do we even have our kids in these systems to begin with? Why have we not taken it upon ourselves as a community to build schools, to have our own programs, to rely on each other. Why has this not happened? It's, 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 to me, our problem, the reason why we are in the situation we are in right now is because we have become too dependent on the current system, and it's a system that is not for us. It's not for our children. In Canada right now, they are still teaching 
information to our children that have nothing to do with us. It's not going to help our children move forward. It's not going to help our children become better critical thinkers. It's not going to do any of that. All it does is teach them, you come in, you sit down. When you want to go somewhere, you have to raise your hand. You listen to a bell. When a bell rings, like we're dogs, we get up, we move, we stand in a line, and then we repeat. This is what our kids are being subscribed to now. This is what they are subscribed to in many countries, unfortunately. And I'm sorry, the reason why we have not moved forward is because of our dependency. So the question is now, well, how do we move from an independent model to a dependent model? And I say slowly and systematically, but it's something that needs to be done. We cannot continue to blame a system when we continue to subscribe to that system. It's something I've just, I've been wrestling with it for years, and it's something that I'm still trying to figure out what to do with. Even when it comes to politics, same thing. We, 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 we are given a choice of conservative or Republican, liberal or conservative, and it's like, well, if none of these are working for us, why are we still subscribing? Why have we not created our own something for us why is this not being done i don't know maybe someone has some answers for me but those are my thoughts <laughs> that situation. Those, those are those are great questions and uh probably we've been asking them at least since the civil war um mm. those same questions through the civil rights era you know, and up to now, why are we still assimilating in every way, mm. not only here but all over the world, from Africa to Jamaica, everywhere? We yeah. still think like our we, goal we is still. to be like the Europeans, and it is not our yeah. goal when we were here first. <laughs> you know? Right. But that's, right. It's, been, it's so embedded in us that we don't yeah. know that we don't know that we that's not what we should be doing we believe that that's the, our only goal in life to be because i still see oh here we go all these mm. euro centric weddings and i'm like well you would think that you know maybe you do a little different now <laughs> you know can we do something right. different do we right. need the diamond rings people digging around for diamond rings do we support that but these right. things they won't go away. They just won't go away. And we keep feeding it to generation to generation. But mm-hmm. uh, thankfully, Ms. Smith, thankfully, you know, uh, there are people who look at it differently, look at it like you look at it and I look at it. And so they're trying to teach the young men and women, you know, something different. But it's so embedded. <laughs> like it would take like it a – to me – It'd take like a million years, you know, to get that out of us, and it it, yeah. it just will never go away. It's it's that ingrained in our culture, what we call our culture now. We're confused. We yeah. don't know what our culture is. So it's so ingrained no. in us. But we can do we can do the best that we can. Okay. Yeah. We could do yeah. the best that we can. So. And that's what I do, and I offer, and that's why I find it important for me. 
to offer that. Like I, it's very important, even for us, when we go into these homes and we're teaching our children, we don't use Eurocentric books. No, we, we use Afrocentric books because we need our students to see themselves in their learning. We can't be teaching these kids about like, to me, it it doesn't make sense. And this is what I'm saying. It's just little small things that we have to do. You're right. It could probably take a million years for this all to change, but it has to start somewhere. It does, and it starts in uh, every way. Um, You know, as you being an example, you're out and around. I'm not really out and around, uh, but you're you're out and around and among them. And they watch everything and they listen to everything and uh, they mimic everything. So what are we having them mimic? Okay. Mm-hmm. They're still mimicking what we think a lady, which is a European lady, mm-hmm. should be without having mm-hmm. a definition and defining for them what is an African and a black woman or a Jamaican woman? What does that mm-hmm. mean? Define that for me. I don't remember. Do you? Maybe you did. No one had a conversation with me about what does it mean to be a black woman, an African-American woman, as they was calling me when I was a teenager, okay? What does mm. that mean? No one had that conversation with me. So how are they supposed to know? How was I supposed right. to know? Right. So right, that right. that's a very important factor. And if you could speak on that a little bit, how do they learn to define themselves when no one is telling them how to define themselves or what that means? And you know what? It's it's interesting because I believe that this is part of that transgenerational trauma that I was speaking of. It's the fact that many of us don't even know who we are. And because us as the older generation don't know who we are, you're right, there's absolutely no way that we can teach our young people who they are. And this is the cycle that has continued over and over and over again. But at some point, for us who know better, we have to just do what we need to do. I always say that I can't save the world, but anyone that's in my vicinity, I'm going to do my best to help them. I understand you can take a, a lead a horse to water and you but you can't make them drink. That is fine, but I'm going to be doing a whole lot of leading. Okay, that's my job. That is my purpose here <laughs> is to assist people. You don't have to drink the water when I bring it to bring you there, but I'm bringing you there because that's my job. Right? At that point you can decide what you need to do. Now, one thing I have learned and and this is very very important is I've made it a point to study the European mindset. I've made it a point to understand the tricks that they have used to subjugate us and to brainwash us as a people. I have studied it because I realized, honestly, a lot of the things they do, it's diabolical, but it's brilliant. They found a way to make an entire race hate themselves, and not just the race in that moment, for generations. That is talent. I'll give them that. They, they did a, a bang-up job on us. But what we need to do now 
is to understand what has been done to us. And for people like myself and other people who've studied psychology, because psychology, first of all, the way psychology is practiced here in North America, it's the white man's, European's way of psychology. But it's important to understand it because that's what they have used against us for years, years. So it's, it, I truly feel that I have an advantage and I use that advantage because I understand the mind of the evil. I understand what they try to do. So now that I understand that I can teach this now to my people, at least to those who are willing to listen to me, when I explain, listen, something as simple as a lot of us need to turn off the television, the television that is sitting in front of us, the programming that has happened, because this is how they get us. Little simple words, as a writer, and you know this, words, even the words that we use, which is why I say great rising, because even the words, this is their language, this isn't our language, right? The little things that we say, what we teach our children, we sit them in front of these the, the, the television, and they, we sit them in front of the program. We put them on these, these devices and have them watching these things that have been set and designed to destroy the minds of our children. And a lot of us Absolutely. don't even realize it because what are we doing? We're sitting in front of the same television doing the same thing, right? And reinforcing our programming continuously. <laughs> we yes, can't get away from it reinforcing it. Oh, listen, Absolutely. I don't, listen, I cut off for about five years. I don't, I didn't even have cable for five years. I completely took myself away from that. I have it now, but the only reason that I'm able to have it now is because I've, I'm discern, discerning of what is programming and what is being said to me. I know when someone's trying to manipulate me. I know when someone's trying to brainwash me because I've studied that, but not, we don't all, we don't all have that opportunity. Right? So I would say, listen, if I could give anyone advice, anyone, any of my black people listening right now, if I could give any advice, I would say the number one thing we need to do is we need to start, we need to move away from the media space. The media is the number one way that they control us. The number one way. COVID situation. Okay? And I want to speak on this really, just briefly. I don't understand why we as black people, African people, Caribbean people, the diaspora, the European have never, ever had our best interest at heart. Never. So I don't understand why we would think that during this time that they would want what is good for us. And many of us are sitting here eating it up, watching the media, saying, yes, let's go and do And listen, I don't have anything against people who want to take a vaccination. I want to make sure I put that disclaimer out here now. But I will say this to you. Really think about when the government, our governments, have ever, ever had our best interests at heart. Why would we think they would start now? Why would they think they want to keep, we, they want to keep us alive? I don't know if anyone saw yes, the ma'am. Bill and Melinda Gates interview where the woman sat there and said, when the vaccination comes out, black people should get it first. That was very intentional. 
Mm-hmm. People need to understand there is something happening in this world. And, again, we are always disproportionately affected. When the world has a cold, black people get pneumonia. That's how it's always been. Ms. Smith, I want you to close out for us. We have about two minutes. Share with okay. us about your company and what it is that you would like. And I certainly want to connect you with uh, some like-minded people in Chicago. So close us out, Ms. Smith. Yes, I would like everyone to please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Here to Help, and the here is spelled H-E-A-R, as in to listen. We are here fighting the fight. We are here doing what we can for our people. We are working hard, and we just want to, like you said, I want to join like-minded people so we can do more. That's all I want. We just want to do more. Wonderful. I am certainly going to send it information to these educators, their innovators, their creative uh, psychologists, and you all figure out how you can connect. But I think that uh, those will be some very great connections. I'd love to see you connect with them. Our motto is uh, Chicago's Black Business Network, changing the way that, sh- that Chicago connects, and that is what I do. I am so grateful for you being here today, and we could go on. <laughs> But uh, we could. we're up in like a minute. Okay. <laughs> but we'll, no we'll, problem. We'll, we'll talk again, okay? And maybe you Thank all can you do so a book much. show or something. We've, we've done that before with psychologists and psychiatrists. So maybe you can Please. do that, uh, plan something like that with them. So Absolutely. this is Sonia Cassandra Purdue, Chicago's Black Business Network and Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you soon. Enjoy your day. Goodbye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.